How are y'all doing today? Y'all doing okay? Are you blessed? Hey, let's uh, turn in the Bible to John, the 13th chapter. Of course, with Resurrection Sunday approaching, we're looking at the words of Jesus as he approaches the cross. Um, and uh, how many of you know the words of Jesus are important, aren't they? And uh, uh, last week, of course, we concluded looking at his last public message. Remember us talking about that? We went through his last public message and uh, he recognized the widow privately to his disciples for the giving of her offering. How many mites did she give? Does anybody remember? Huh? Yeah. And, and who put in most? The widow or all those rich people? She put in the most, didn't she? Is that right? Because she put in all that she had. And then after that, um, Jesus talks about the upcoming destruction of Jerusalem in A.D. 70. Okay. And he talked about his second coming and some other end time events, which we'll get to later in the year. Uh, then he shares several parables. He talks about his crucifixion and then he's anointed for his burial. How many remembers who anointed him? Does anybody remember the lady's name? Mary. Mary remember, uh, she had a brother that Jesus raised from the dead. What was his name? Lazarus. And of course, Judas. Now, was Judas honest or was he a thief? He's a thief. Well, he's the one that betrayed Jesus, right? And he had a problem with Mary anointing him because the uh, perfume that she used was very costly. It, it cost a whole year's wages for, a, for an average worker. And Jesus said that you'd always have some kind of people with you. Do you remember who he said? You always have the poor with you because Judas said, you know, that should have been sold and given to the poor. And, there, and there's some truth in that. But, but be that as it may, you know, the poor you'll always have with you. But Jesus was only going to be there for a short while yet. Is that correct? And so she went ahead and, and, and anointed him with that. And it was a good thing. And then, of course, Judas, he's in the midst of conspiring to uh, betray Jesus. How many remembers how many pieces of silver that he was going to get out of that deal? 30, 30 pieces of silver. Was that talked about in the Old Testament anywhere? Was that prophesied in the Old Testament? Yeah. You know, so much of, of what Jesus did in his, in his ministry was foretold by the prophets in the Old Testament. Um, now, this brings us to the Last Supper. And uh, at the Last Supper, the disciples get into an argument. They get into an argument, and they argued about this quite often, about who would be the greatest. Can you imagine at the Last Supper, at that holy time, the disciples who'd been with Jesus for three and a half years get into an argument, and they're arguing amongst themselves about who was going to be the greatest. And Jesus, again, teaches them about humility and being a servant. And then Jesus does something to the disciples' feet. Do you remember what he did? He washed them. Look at John 13, verse 12. So when he had washed their feet, can you imagine Jesus, the one who created all things? Doesn't the Bible say that all things were made by him and through him and for him? You know, the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost. Jesus is the Son, the second member of the Trinity, who became a man that we was 100% God. Can you imagine that God washing his creation's feet? What, what an example of humility. 
I want to be like Jesus. How about you? He says in verse 12, so when, so when he had washed their feet, taken his garments and sat down again, he said to them, do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord and you say, well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. That is a true sign of humility if you're willing to wash somebody's feet. Is that right? And then, of course, they have the Passover meal where Jesus, you know, says, take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you, and then offers the the wine to them, you know, and and he talks about the wine being symbolic of his, his blood. And a lot of times people think that's the only thing that happened. At the Last Supper, but of course we had the, the disciples arguing over who's going to be the greatest and Jesus washing their feet. And then Judas is identified as the betrayer. But a whole lot more went on. A whole lot more went on at the uh, Last Supper than, than what we've even said so far. Look, let's look at some other things. Here in John 13, verse 34, Jesus gives his disciples a new commandment. He says a new commandment. We all, all ought to take note of this. He says, a new commandment I give to you that you what? Love one another as I have loved you. That you also love one another. By this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. That's how you're identified really as a disciple of the Lord Jesus. If you have love for one another. You ought to underline that in your Bible and ought to read that on a regular basis. You agree? Will you agree with me on that? If Jesus said it's a commandment, we ought to do that. Love one another. By this, all men will know that that we're his disciples. Now, then uh, Jesus predicts that somebody else is going to deny him before the rooster crows. Now, how many times, is, well, first of all, who, who's going to deny him? Does anybody know? Peter. How many times is he going to deny him? Three times. And notice here in Luke, let's go to Luke 22, verse 31. Luke 22, verse 31. We'll come back over to John in a moment. If you're visiting today, we, we use the Bible here. That's, that's our textbook, okay? So uh, bring your Bibles. If you don't have one, we'll get you one. But make a habit of turning in your Bible or looking up on your phone or your iPad or whatever it is you have. It's important to look these scriptures up. Check me out. Be sure I'm telling you what the Bible's saying. Now notice here, Luke 22, verse 31, the Lord said, Simon, Simon, that's Peter's name, you know, Simon Peter. Indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But I've prayed for you that your faith should not fail. That's something good to pray for people when you see that they're weakening in their faith. Pray for them that their faith would not fail. And when you've returned to me, isn't it good to know that if we mess up, we can repent and get back to the Lord? Peter messed up. He, he got back, though, didn't he? He said, when you've returned to me, strengthen your brethren. But he said to him, Lord, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Then he said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow this day before you deny me three times that you even know me. That's something, isn't it? 
Peter didn't think he would deny the Lord. But he did. And, and Peter denied him. But did you know that all of the disciples forsook Jesus when he was arrested? Didn't they? Oh, sure they did. And the Old Testament talked about that as well. Now let's go back to John. Let's go to John 14. Back into the upper room. And let's look at some other things that Jesus said. I can't think of anything better to do than to look at the words of Jesus. John 14, verse 1. Of course, I'm using the New King James Version. He says, this is in the upper room now. He says, let not your heart be troubled. That's good advice. I could use that advice. How about you? You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I, and where I go, you know, and the way you know. How many of you looking forward to going to heaven one of these days? Wonderful. It's going to be a great place. Once you get up there, you won't want to come back here anymore. Notice in uh, John 14, verse 5. Now, I can't, don't have time to go through all the verses. Otherwise, we'd be here till 3 in the afternoon. I don't think anybody wants to stay that long. So let's just, you know, I'm trying to highlight here what, what's going on. John 14, 5. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, something else you ought to underline in your Bible. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Can anybody say amen on that? I want to tell you something. Jesus is not the best way to the Father. He's the only way. Now, don't get mad at me. I didn't say it. Jesus said it. But there is no other way to access the Heavenly Father. There is no other way to walk through the gates of pearl. There's only one way, and Jesus is that way. Game Set and match. Yeah, but there's just many ways. There's many, all these religions all leading to the same. No, oh, no, no. They're all leading to hell except one. And Jesus is the only way to get to God the Father. And I've had people get up and walk out on me when I said, but guess what I'm going to say? What did he say? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the only way. Game, set, match. You know that's in tennis. When somebody wins, it's, it's like checkmate. Which do you like better, game, set, match, or checkmate? Doesn't matter. Either way, the thing's over. Do <laughs> you understand? Jesus is the only way. I'm not trying to be ignorant, but it's just you need to understand that because the world will tell you, well, there's many ways. Well, I shouldn't call her name, but I'm going to Oprah. You've got to be careful about She'll tell you there's many ways. There's some big preachers in the land who'll tell you Jesus is the best way. Well, if he's the best way, that means that there's other ways. But Jesus isn't the best way. He's the only way. way. Come on, guys. You want me to tell you the truth, don't you? Yeah. Okay. Now, verse 7. He said, if you'd known me, you would have known my father also, Jesus says. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the father. It'll be sufficient for us. Jesus said to him, have I been so long with you and yet you've not known me, Philip? That's something that I would tell to anybody that is a spiritual leader. You'll find this, any pastor out there listening to me on the Internet or whatever. 
you'll find that you can be with people for a long time and you think they know your heart, but yet after being with them so long, yet they'll, you'll find that they don't, they don't really know your heart. Jesus had that issue with his disciples. You've been so long with me and yet you've not known me. And then he says this, he who has seen me has seen the father. So you want to know what the father looks like? You want to know what the will of the father is? Look at the ministry of Jesus. Because the ministry of Jesus shows us the will of the Heavenly Father for all men, for all time. Now notice verse 12. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I'll do, he'll do also. And greater works than these will he do because I go to my Father. Now how could you do greater works than Jesus? Well, he said you could. But how are you going to top walking on the water? How are you going to top, you know, opening blind eyes and unstopping deaf ears and... How are you, you going to top raising the dead? How are you going to top that? I don't think he's talking here about quality. He's probably talking about quantity because, you know, we're all members of the body of Christ. But yet even so, Jesus, the Bible says in the book of John in another place, if, if, if everything he did was written down, the, the world itself couldn't contain the books. Is that right? I think what he was talking about is this, that we as the body of Christ can preach Jesus to people and they can get born again. Whereas when Jesus was upon the earth, he hadn't died and been raised from the dead yet. So those folks couldn't get born again. And the greatest miracle that can ever happen is when somebody gets born again or born from above when they become a new creature in Christ. Did you hear what I just said? So I think that's what he was talking about there. But nonetheless, he said, greater works than these will you do. But I still believe uh, in the healing power of God. How about you? I still believe God's in the healing business. I've seen him heal hundreds of people over the last 20 years right here in this ministry. All kinds of things that you can think of. Cancer. I had one guy's ears pop open one day. I said, God is still, Jesus is still in the healing business. Now, how are you going to top what he did? Do you understand what I'm saying? But we can top it when we lead a sinner to Christ and get him saved. All right? Amen. How many of you believe Jesus is still in the healing business? Oh, yeah. You come too late to tell me otherwise. Well, that's just all passed away. No, it hasn't. No, it hasn't. I'll give you $25,000 if you can show... My wife always gets nervous when I say this. If you can show me in the Bible where it's all passed away. Yeah, but the Bible says tongues will cease. Study your Bible. There'll be a day when it ceases, but it hasn't ceased yet. I still believe in the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Amen? I still believe in the power of God. Why do you want to go to church that believe, a church that believes everything is dead and done and gone away with? I want to go to a church that's alive and flowing with the power of God. How about you? Okay. And then he says in verse 13, Whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, and of course anything in line with his word, in my name, I will do it. That's pretty bold, isn't it? And then verse 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. How can we prove to God that we love him? By keeping his commandments. Now, what was the commandment he just told us to keep? That we what? Love one another. And how can we say that we love God if we don't love our brothers and sisters and sinners? Is that right? Over in the book of James, I think he says, how can we love God who we've not seen when we can't even love our brother and sister who we have seen? Is that right? Oh, yeah. But if you love me, keep my commandments. 
Verse 16, I'll pray the Father, he'll give you another helper. Who's he talking about? The Holy Spirit. That he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive. Because it neither sees him or knows him, but you know him. For he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. How did he come to us? After, he, after Jesus went up, seated at the right hand of the Father, he came back through the Holy Ghost, didn't he? Is that right? Aren't you glad he didn't leave us orphans? I, I'm glad. Now in ver, chapter 14 here, verse 19, he says, A little while longer, and the world will see me no more. But you will see me, because I live, you will live also. How many of you remember that song, Because He Lives? You remember that song? Because he lives, I live. At that day, you will know that I am in the Father, and you in me, and I in you. He, verse 21. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. See, there it is again. If you love him, you'll keep his word. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Now, I'm interested in that right there. How about you? I want God to manifest himself to me and show himself to me and show himself strong to me. How about you? And then Judas, not Iscariot, this is another Jew, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered, verse 23, and said to him, if anyone loves me, he'll keep my word. See, there it is again. And my father will love him and will come to him and make our home with, with him. How would you like Jesus to make his home with you? Well, then, then love him and love the father, right? Walk in love. Verse 24, he who does not love me does not keep my words. And the word which you, see, he, well, he keeps saying that, doesn't he? Anytime Jesus repeats himself, we really need to pay attention. He who does not love me does not keep my words. And the word which you hear is not, and the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. Verse 25, these things I've spoken to you while being present with you. But the helper, who's he talking about? He tells you, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things I said to you. That's why it's important that we get into the word of God and study the word of God. Because once we get the word in us, now I can't remember all the word of God in and of myself. I got a pretty good memory, but I can't remember it all in and of myself. But there's a helper, the Holy Ghost on the inside of me, that he'll bring all things that I've read from the word that Jesus said to my remembrance. Have you ever had the Holy Spirit do that for you? Boy, it's, it's just wonder, wonderful. It's a wonderful help, isn't it? And then, verse 27, Jesus said, Peace I leave with you. I went in on this. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives, do I give to you. How does the world give? Well, they'll give, they might take it back. But Jesus gives, he's not going to take it back, is he? I want the peace of God. That peace that passes all understanding. Then he says, Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You have heard me say to you, verse 28, I'm going away and coming back to you. If you loved me, you would rejoice because I said I'm going to the Father, for my Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it comes that when it does come to pass, you may believe. And that verse 30, I, I really like this. I like it all, but look at verse 30. I will no longer talk much with you. Now watch this. For the ruler of this world is coming and he has nothing in me. Now who's he talking about there? Who's the, who's the God of this world system? Satan. And he said, the rulers of this world is coming and he has nothing in me. Isn't it good to know that the devil had nothing in Jesus? 
He, he couldn't blackmail him. He couldn't say, yeah, but I got some pictures of you with doing this wrong or doing that wrong. Or Is that right? Jesus, there was no sin in him. Was he tempted in all points like as we are? Yet without sin. Did the devil have anything on him? Absolutely not. I'm so glad that the devil had nothing in Jesus, aren't you? Was he tempted in all points like as we are? Did he ever sin? Never did. Never did. And that's a good thing uh, to say. And in Christ, we can say the same thing, can't we? In Christ. In Christ. The devil has nothing in me. The devil doesn't have any cards he can play on me. Now, in and of myself, I'm going to come up a day late and a dollar short, but I'm not in and of myself. I'm in Christ. Amen. And so he's, the, the, the devil has nothing in me. Verse 31, but that the world may know that I love the father and as the father gave me commandment, so I do arise. Let us go from here. Now, Jesus said all of this in the in that upper room. Now they're leaving the upper room and they're headed for the Garden of Gethsemane. And so the things that he's going to say as we go through these next couple of chapters, and I'll, I'll go as quickly as I can here, uh, just highlighting as we go. But th- these things we're going to read now, he said between the upper room and the garden. Okay. Now look at John 15, verse 1. He says, I'm the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me, see we need to be in, in him, that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Have you ever had the Lord prune you? And just when you thought that he'd got, you know, you'd gotten everything out that needed to be out of your life, that there's something else he starts working on. Don't you just love that? <laughs> but why does he prune us? You know, I've, if you're visiting today over the last, uh, over the last year or so, I've lost about 60 pounds. I'm not half the man hardly that I used to be. But, you know, I gave up eating this, I gave up eating that, I gave up eating, you know, almost down to the celery and the, and the spinach, you know. And then and almost like the Lord wants to take that away from you, too. But, you know, at last, you, I'm talking about pruning. Have you ever been pruned? Now, he hasn't taken the spinach away from me. That's okay to eat that. But I like Snicker bars. I like ice cream cookies. You know, I like the red hot potato chips that are so hot that when you eat them. You know, that they just almost like a fire-breathing dragon. You know, the fire comes out. But see, I had to lay all that down. I had to give all that up. And uh, But you know what? It's better that I did. At the time, it was difficult, but now I'm glad I'm free of that. Live a lot longer. May not have to lay down on the table one day and then take, the, take a saw and split my chest open to do open-heart surgery or bypass. Is that right? So anytime the Lord prunes you, you may not like it at the time, but he's always got your best interest at heart. And he's always interested in when, it, when, when, when the Lord, it looks like he's taking something away from you. It's for your own good and it's for the good of somebody else because it'll make you stronger. It'll put you in a position to be better, better able to help somebody else, you see. Do you hear what I just said? So he's always working on us. He's always working on us. Don't get aggravated when the Lord continues to work on you. Just let him work on you. Did you hear me? Okay. Now, 
He then he says, verse three, let's pick up verse three. You are already clean because the word which I've spoken to you abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me. How do you abide in him? You stay in his word and I in him bears much fruit for without me. You can do what we need to remember that. Without Jesus, we can do nothing. Is that right? You need to stay hooked into him. He says, if anyone does not abide in me, he's cast out as a branch and is withered. And as they gather them and throw them into the fire and are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask whatever you desire and it shall be done for you. See, a lot of folks want to get the last part of that verse, but they don't want to do the first part. They want to ask whatever they desire and it shall be done. But that only works if you do the first half of that verse. You have to abide in him and his words abide in you. Then you'll ask whatever you desire and it'll be done for you. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit. So you will be my disciples. Look at verse nine. As the father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you'll abide in my love, just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. These things have I spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be what? Does he want you to have full, complete joy? Well, you need to abide in him, stay in him, keep his commandments, walk in love. Verse 12, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Does he keep saying that over and over and over again? He wants us to get that, doesn't he? Then he says, greater love has no one than this. That he laid down his life for one's friends. Is it important to lay down our lives for one another? Yeah. Is it good enough just tell somebody you love them? No. You need to tell them, but... More importantly, you need to show them. Is that right? Greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. Now, is Jesus just about to demonstrate that? Yeah, because where is he headed as as he's saying this? Where is he headed? He's headed to the Garden of Gethsemane. And then on from there, he's headed somewhere called Mount uh, Calvary, where he's going to lay down his life for his friends. So Jesus doesn't ask us to do anything that he isn't willing to do. He laid down his life on the cross, right? Now, we don't have to lay down our life on the cross. Only he could do that. But we can lay down our life when we show up to cut somebody's grass that maybe just had an operation or something and they can't get out there and do it. Or when we show up to clean somebody's house because they've been ill and they haven't been able to to clean it or whatever. Do you hear what I'm saying? You understand that? And that's what we need to do. And greater love has no one than this. And Jesus is about to demonstrate that. He's about to lay down his life upon the cross. Look at John 15 verse 14. He says, you are my friends if you do whatever I command you. There it is. See, we need to keep his commandments. He says, no longer do I call you servants for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I've called you friends. Isn't that good to know that he doesn't look at us as servants, but he looks at us as friends. Isn't that wonderful? For all things that I've heard from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you. Isn't that good to know also? 
and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. What he's really talking about there is getting people saved, getting people saved. Now, there's other things we could say, but that's how we bear fruit, by going out and getting the lost saved. That's the most important thing. That's the main thing. And we should always keep the main thing the main thing. Is that right? That you should bear fruit, that your fruit should remain. That whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it you. You know, we we think about asking the Father for this, that, and the other. But the main thing I think we should ask him for is for souls. That's the most important thing. Not for a gold watch or a diamond ring, but for souls. Real loud, say souls. The Bible says he that wins souls is wise. Wins them from what? From, from going to hell. See, if, if a person doesn't turn and receive Jesus, that's where they're headed. Is that right? And God doesn't want anybody to go there. That's why Jesus went to the cross and, was, and died, shed his blood, died, raised from, the, raised from the dead. Is that right? But see, people need to be, they need to know that. They need to be told that. That's why Jesus said, go into all the world, preach the gospel to every person. Is that right? And so let's, let's, let's stop asking God for things and let's start asking for the most important thing, for souls. And if we'll do that, he'll take care of the things. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, Jesus said, and his righteousness. Is that right? And all these things, necessities of life, will be added unto you. I think sometimes we spend too much time seeking the wrong thing. The main thing is seeking after to win souls to the Lord, you see. Then in verse 18, he says this. Well, 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 well let's see. Verse, uh, am I in verse 17 now? Where did I, where'd I just stop? You following along? John 15, 17. These things I command you that you love one another. Does he keep saying that again and again and again? And then verse 18. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. That's something good to remember. Next time somebody talks ugly about you. Did they talk ugly about Jesus? He says, verse 20 here, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they'll persecute you. Is that right? And uh, just for the sake of time, let's go to verse 26. But when the helper comes, that's the Holy Spirit, whom I'll send you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. So when the Holy Ghost is in manifestation, he'll be testifying of the Lord, lifting up the Lord Jesus. Then he says in verse 27, you also bear witness. So we also, we, we along with the Holy Spirit ought to bear witness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Is that right? Okay. Now let's go to John 16. Just highlighting this. Just give me a, a few more minutes. We'll get this in and then we'll dismiss. John 16. Let's, let's, uh, For the sake of time, look at verse 2. The time is coming that whoever kills you will think that he offers God service. Did you know that that's very true? The time is coming that whoever kills you will think that he offers God service. Did you know that they're beheading Christians now in some parts of this world? And they think that they're doing God service. But the wrong God. They're doing, it, they're doing it unto Allah. How many of you know there's a difference between God, Jehovah, and Allah? Is that right? They're not the same. Our God's not a killer. See, Allah and Muhammad in that deal, they asked their servants to go out and kill on their behalf. Now, there's, I'm not, I, know that, I know that there's a lot of peaceful Muslims. I understand that. But if you really get in and study it, that is in their, that is in their teaching. But our God came, he, didn't, he doesn't ask us to go out and kill, he asks us to go out and love, is that right? 
He came and died for us. And that's a big difference, isn't it? Is that a big difference? I said, that's a big difference, isn't it? Our God, see, these gods of these other religions, and Christianity is not a religion. It's a relationship with the living Savior. You understand that. But he came, see, the difference is our God came, he became a man and died for us. See, I'll serve a God like that. How about you? And he was raised from the dead, too. Isn't that wonderful? But, the, but, but, but you see, there's a time coming that whoever kills you will think that he's offering God service. And you see that it's going on in the world even now as we speak. John 16, verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I'll send him to you. See, when Jesus was here in the earth... He, though he was God, he was man, and he could only minister, he could only be one place at one time. Is that right? But the Holy Spirit, see, it's to, to our advantage that Jesus go away. Why? He's seated at the right hand of the Father. Why is it to our advantage? Because when he's here, he can only minister to one person at one time. Is that right? Remember when he's going over to Jairus' house to raise his daughter from the dead? And that woman pulled on his coat. Remember that? Jesus had to stop, minister to her. And then after he was done ministering to her, then he went over to Jairus' house. Is that right? But the Holy Ghost can minister to the woman with the issue of blood and Jairus' daughter at the same time. Now that's to our advantage, isn't it? And that's what he was talking about. Then verse 12. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Did Jesus have more things to say to his disciples? He couldn't tell them they they weren't able to receive it. But the time came that they were, and you notice the Holy Spirit then gave us the epistles, didn't he, in the process of time. Is that right? Is that correct? Like Ephesians and Philippians and and, and Romans and Colossians. Is that right? First, second, Timothy, Titus. See, that's the Holy Spirit. That's Jesus talking to us through the Holy Spirit, things that he wanted to get through to us. But he couldn't do it there. They weren't ready to receive it. Plus, he didn't have the time. Is that right? But he eventually did. You hold it in your lap in the Bible. It's the epistles to the church. Now, this year, we're centering in on the words of Jesus. But, you know, if you've attended here over the years, we, we spend most of our time in, in, in the epistles. Is that right? Because those are letters written to the church. And we spend time in the Old Testament, too. Thank God, you know, you can't really understand the New Testament until you have a working knowledge of the Old. But we live in the New Covenant. But you see, he said, I still have many things to say to you. You cannot bear them now. But did he, did he eventually get them through to us? Yes, through the Holy Spirit, through, uh, you know, Paul and Peter and James and John and so on in the process of time. Is that right? Now... Notice, the sake of time, I need to speed this up and finish. Look at verse 19. Uh, he says, Jesus knew that they desired to ask him. He said to them, you are inquiring among yourselves about what I said. A little while and you'll, you'll not see me. And again, a little while you will see me. What was he talking about? He was going to die on the cross and be raised from the dead. Verse 20, most assuredly I say to you that you will weep and lament. Why? Because he's going to die on the cross. But the world will rejoice. How many of you know the world was rejoicing when he died up there on the cross? The world was. And you will be sorrowful. But, realize, say but. 
but your sorrow will be turned to joy. When was their sorrow turned to joy? On the third day when he walked out of the tomb and eventually they saw him. Is that right? He is not here, but he is risen. Isn't that wonderful? And then they got joyful. Mary was crying and then the next thing you know she turns, thinks it's a gardener. And then he says, Mary, and she recognizes him and then her uh, sorrows turn to joy. Isn't, isn't, isn't that wonderful? They're in that room there. They're shut in and they're all, the disciples, they're all uh, 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 sad and down and whatnot. And the next thing you know, Jesus is right there standing in the midst and their sorrow was turned into joy. Isn't that wonderful? That's what he was talking about. How many of you joyful Jesus has been raised from the dead? And then he says in verse 22, in the middle of that verse, your joy no one will take from you. Say this, say, nobody is going to steal my joy. Jesus said they can't, and I'm not going to let them. Are you going to let them steal your joy? Don't let the devil or anybody else steal your joy. Because if he can get your joy, he can get your strength. Because the Bible says the joy of the Lord is our what? Our strength. And then again in verse 24, he wants our joy to be full. And then in John 16, verse 33, he says, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have what? Tribulation. Tribulation. Has anybody found that to be true besides me? But, there really I'll say but... But be of what? Be a good cheer, for I have overcome the world. Isn't that wonderful? I mean, in the world, you're going to have trouble. In the world, you're going to have tribulation. Anybody that tells you anything other than that, they're not in line with the words of Jesus. He said, in the world, you're going to have tribulation. You're going to have trouble. You're going to have problems. But, 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 I like that but, don't you? But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. And if we're in Christ, we're overcomers. How many of you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God? And there's a scripture that says, He, who is it that overcomes the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Christ. So if you believe that Jesus is the Christ, you are a world overcomer. Maybe you came today to the service just to find that out. See, there's a lot of people believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, but they've never been told that they're an overcomer. Yeah, if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus, you're an overcomer. Now stand in the Word of God and overcome. Amen? You're not going to overcome just by accident. You're going to have to stand. Didn't the Apostle Paul say, I keep under my body? You're going to have to, you're going to, have to take, your, take yourself by the ear and, 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 and overcome some things. But you can do it. You can't do it in and of yourself, but you can do it by the power of the Spirit. But we do have a part to play in that too. Can you say Amen. Now, let me close here, and I'd encourage you in John 17, there's the first, uh, I guess the first five verses, don't read them now, but read them, Jesus prayed for himself. Is there anything wrong with praying for yourself? No. And he prayed for himself. You ought to, this afternoon or sometime this week, you ought to read what Jesus prayed for himself. Now, now, don't do it now. Let me finish this, but mark it and do it this week sometime, later today. Read and see what Jesus prayed for himself. Then he prayed for his disciples that were right there with him. You ought to read that. And then I'll close by this. 
Look at verse 20. He's going to pray for somebody else. Notice who he prays for. He says, I do not pray for these alone, talking about his disciples that were right there with him, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Who is he praying for now? He's praying for us because all of us in here that believe on the Lord Jesus are doing so indirectly through the words of these apostles. Is that right? Now, let's see what Jesus prayed for us. Verse 21, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. What does he want? He wants unity, doesn't he? He doesn't want you and me fussing and fighting. He doesn't want us fighting with our Baptist friends, does he? Does he? He doesn't. He doesn't. I mean, the Bible talks about, I think it's in the book of Ephesians. I believe it is. Till we all come into the unity of the faith to the knowledge of the Son of God. See, we're never going to probably agree with all the different denominations and all the different ordinances and things. But we can agree on who Jesus is. And as long as we have a hold of the Jesus of the Bible, then these other non-essential issues are unimportant. Did you hear what I just said? He wants unity in the body of Christ. Did you hear what I just said? He wants unity in the body of Christ. He wants unity not only among members of the, the same Local church, but he wants local churches getting along with one another. As long as we're a hold, got a hold of the Jesus of the Bible. Is that right? Now, now I, I, you may get mad at me, but, but if you do, you do. But see, I can't buddy up with the Jehovah's Witnesses. I can't buddy up with the, with the Mormons. I can't. Do I love them? Yeah, but I can't buddy up with them. Why? 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 Because they don't have the Jesus of the Bible. Did you hear what I just said? But, I do need to love them and and share the good news of Jesus with them if I can. I had the lady from the Mormon church come over here one Sunday after the service, sat in my office, two two ladies with my wife and I, and they wanted to start fellowshipping with us. You know, and I said, well, I said, uh, if you'll renounce Joseph Smith and Moroni, and grab a hold of the Jesus of the Bible, then, 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 then we can go from there. She said, well, I can't do that. I said, then I can't, I can't fellowship with you. Now, you may not like me for that, but you see, we've got to be watchful. We can't buddy up with, with folks that aren't flowing with the Jesus of the Bible. Now, I tried to get them saved in my office, but they weren't going to have any part of it. So I told them, go on, go your way. No, we didn't buddy up with them. Now, you think I'm mean and... No, I'm just flowing in line with what the Bible said. But, but, but you see, see, I, I was raised a Baptist. I, I have a hold of the, uh, uh, that's where I got saved in the Baptist church. And then, of course, in the process of time, got baptized in the Holy Spirit. See, the Baptists don't believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But, see, they do believe on, in Jesus, don't they? Did you hear what I just said? So I can buddy up with them. I can buddy up with folks that have a hold of the Jesus of the Bible. That's what Jesus said here, that, that we may be one. And not argue and fuss and fight. Is that right? See, the devil has had the body of Christ arguing and fussing and fighting. And we're arguing over water baptismal formulas. I believe in water baptism. Jesus commanded it. But you better be saved before you go in that water. Did you hear what I just said? Because the water isn't going to help get you saved. Did you hear what I just said? 
But see, we'll argue over water baptismal or we'll argue over how we receive communion or we'll argue over this. And then and then some churches, he'll get the, he'll get the people arguing over what color we're going to paint the walls or what color the carpet's going to be. Folks, we got better things to do than that. See, while we're arguing and fussing, guess what? The world's dying and going to hell. Is that right? So we quit fussing. We buddy up with folks that, that, that have the Jesus of the Bible. We get along and we go out as a mighty army in unity. See, where there's unity, then, there, then God blesses where there's unity. Is that right? And then we can go out and get people saved. It, it, and that's what it's all about. Now, let's finish this. Verse 22. And the glory which you gave me, I have given them that they may be one just as we are one. Is that what Jesus wanted? Is that what he was praying? Why don't we help? Answer Jesus' prayer. Did you ever think about that? How can we help get Jesus' prayer answered? By walking in love and unity. I never said that until until today. I never saw it. We can help Jesus. You know, we're always looking at him answering our prayers. Why don't we work at answering one of his? Did you ever think about that? I never saw that until right now. We can actually help get one of Jesus' prayers answered. How is that? By walking in love and unity with with the saints. Is that right? So, so, So get in and let's help... Answer Jesus' prayer and walk in love towards one another and walk in unity. Verse 23. I in them, you in me, that they may be made perfect in one and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved. Now, here's the now here's something. We'll, we'll close right here. Did you know that Jesus, that the God, the father loves you as much as he loves Jesus? I said, God, the father loves you and me just as much as he does Jesus. How do I know that? Because Jesus said here, he said, and have loved them. He said to the father, have loved them. talking about you and me as you have loved me. Jesus said to the father, show them that you love them as much as you love me. Does God, the father, love you and me as much as he does Jesus? Now, I'll tell you, if you want to be all that you can be for God... You're going to have to believe that. And you're going to have to walk in that. Because if you don't, the devil will be able to hinder you on some level. Like he's hindered me over the years. Well, God doesn't love you as much as he loves that one. God doesn't love you as much. Have you ever had the devil come talk to you in your thought life? Thoughts run through? God doesn't love you as much as he loves that one. God doesn't love you as much as he does that one. How many of you know that is a lie, isn't it? And we have to respond with that and say, hey, devil, let me tell you something. God not only loves me as much as that one, that one or that one, but God loves me as much as he loves Jesus. And when you get a revelation of that, then you're going to be a real problem to the devil. That God the Father loves me and you just as much as he loves Jesus. And Jesus said so right there. In the 23rd verse. Say God loves me. As much as he loves Jesus. Because Jesus said so. Say it like you mean it. God loves me. As much as he loves Jesus. Jesus said so. Stand with me if you would. Let's say that one more time standing. Let's let's say it loud enough where the devil himself can hear it. Say God loves me. As much as he loves Jesus. Because Jesus said so. One more time. God loves me as much as he loves Jesus. Because Jesus said so. Now get a revelation of that. Will you promise me you'll do that? Get a revelation of that and walk in it. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Listen. If you've never received Jesus Christ as your Savior. If you've never done that. 
you need to do that before you leave here today. There will be some men and women standing up here in the front. When I dismiss in just moments from now, all you got to do is walk up here and say, Hey, introduce me to Jesus. Listen, guys, gals, listen. There's a heaven above to gain and there is a hell below that you want to miss out on. How do I miss out on hell and make heaven? By simply with a repentant heart, just, Jesus, come into my life. I believe on you. I believe that Jesus, sir, I believe that that, that you died on the cross for me, that that you were buried on third day, rose from the dead. I confess you as my Lord. If you'll do that in a moment of time, you can change your eternal destiny. So if you've never received Jesus, do so before you leave today. Or maybe you've gotten away from him. You've got a little bit cold and you'd like to get back in close uh, 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 